This is The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson, a weekly podcast and radio show. Listen to The Business of Life on demand by subscribing and downloading it wherever you listen to podcasts. On this episode... I think in order to face challenges, you have to be brave and you have to be courageous and you have to be all those things that women are constantly having to be, you know, in a... In a in an average work environment. They have to be brave and courageous and bold and assertive and all the things that they're not supposed to be. All coming up with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. Today's show, Arlene, I'm bringing something to the table that is always on my mind. It's got a little bit to do with retirement, which is not super far away in the context of what people have traditionally done for many, many, many decades. And that is they get to 65. I'm 56. So... You know, the world is telling me, in the next decade, I need to start winding it down. Um, there is even a movement that's getting attention right now. It's called the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement. FIRE is its moniker. And uh, it's literally trying to get people to save their money and retire early. And I am dying to hear what you have to think about this. Well, listen, I, I think there's two forces at play around that. And so the... The conspiracy theory, Arlene, says that <laughs> <laughs> says that students and young adults are really struggling to get jobs nowadays. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Um, but one of the reasons is that people aren't retiring. People are working longer. They, they're no longer as a 65-year-old, you have to retire. So mm-hmm. people are staying in their jobs longer, A, because they are, you know, 60 is the new kind of 50, as they say, and B, that people who are 60 probably don't have the savings and the um, wherewithal. I was just going to say, they don't have the money. So they have to work longer. And so that's happening. And that's, that's almost, you know, taking jobs, not almost, it's taking jobs away from some of the younger students that are trying to get into the workforce because those jobs are not becoming available as much. So there's num- that's number one. So I think they're probably, that's the conspiracy theory that says that there may be some, um, there may be uh, government's hand at play in terms of trying to encourage an early retirement. But then B, the upside, the positive uh, side mm-hmm. of Arlene, says, yeah, you know, people are wanting, they, they're getting that they don't need as much money. They, they're they saying, I want to just retire and enjoy my life because I get one kick at this can and I don't want to work forever and I don't like my nine to five job so much and I can retire and have a lot less money than I'm being told I need if I'm just frugal and save and think about how I'm going to be able to, you know, stop working when I'm 45 instead of 65. And so I think there's this generation of people that have said, kind of have had it. They don't want to work so hard. They want to retire early and they want to go out and enjoy their life. And they know they can do that with a little bit less money than they probably um, thought they needed. And they're saving hard to be able to do that. And I, you know, applaud that. I, I'm exactly the opposite. I've got, I've got, I love work so much. Like it's my life. So I, I never want to stop. No, but I, I think you I don't want to stop. Unique. We're weird. But we're doing something that we like to do. Yeah, so whatever that is. Some people want to go and retire and travel, and some people want to... Okay, well, I I have a a friend of mine that retired uh, last year. She retired at 55. So she she was part of this fire movement, for sure. Um, Her and her husband are... They're living in the States. They they did live in very close to where I grew up, and she met an American guy, and she moved down there. They've been down there. She was in accounting, and they golf every day. Like I look at her Instagram feed 
and they golf every day and they're having dinner every night and they're having happy hour night at five o'clock and it's the same thing all the time and I, I probably sound like uh, I sound terrible right now but I'm looking at that going I cannot think of anything worse than that at 55 when you're thinking they could quite possibly only be halfway through their lives with modern science I mean there's nothing to say you can't leave to be 90 or 95 years old and and have you know pretty good health if you if you do it right uh, maybe I'm being really lofty but does that I mean I look at that and I'm like there's so many things that I want to do there's so many things that I want to tackle there's so many books that I want to write like I literally panic when I think about how much time I don't have left yeah if I live to be 80 I've got 24 years to go so uh, okay I'll tell you friend to friend that's judgmental and I'm okay. the I, I was God. the same way I, I I was I was I was the same and I I, I don't understand it but who am I to judge it? Like I, I not, don't think I'm judging it. I'm just saying. Well, that you're saying, yeah, you're saying, me. yeah, no. But you said, you know, there. Like I think it's a bit judgy, don't okay, you think? One man's ceiling is another man's floor. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I don't mean but, that. I'm not. I'm having, not judging but, you. I'm just saying to you. Like I think we've yes. got to stop. We, what the the point is is, do it is your life. You and I are very similar this way, and that we we want it. I want them to say on my grave, she lived her life fully, like every minute of it. I, I, I wish I had more minutes. I can't stand sitting down and doing nothing for very long because it just makes me feel like I've just wasted time. And so, and time is becoming more precious as we get older. But there's other people that say, I can't wait to go sit on a beach for three weeks or six months or golf every day and have the stability and the, and the, um, uh, the predictability of a life that I know I'm going to golf every day, I'm going to have dinner with my friends, I'm going to do these things. It's not for us, but hey, if it makes them happy, fill your boots because it's your life. Well, and I and I do admire that and I respect that. And, you know, it's amazing to, to think of, of people that at 55 have saved enough money. If you're thinking about living to be 85 years old or 80 years old, I'm not sure what their... their economic strategists would be telling them what they need every year but I'm assuming that when they both retired at 55 56 years old that they had X amount of money to get them through those years where you know anything could happen health issues Lord knows but I I mean there's so many people that could never ever dream of hitting that number like on the other side of this fence Arlene they're talking about young people now the people that can't get jobs because people are working longer are saying that you know, they're going to have to physically work until they're 70 plus years old to have any kind of hope of having 10 or 15 years to not work. That's scary. Yeah, but a lot of those younger generation now, they don't want to own homes or have the debt or have the... I don't blame them. Right, because they, they want to have the flexibility. So they've figured out that either they can stay at their parents' homes or, or rent. <laughs> they have, can have a shared economy. They can live with friends. They can they, they can go... And I actually, like, I admire that because I thought if I didn't have my own home, I was somehow a bad human. You know, when I was, a, when I was being raised, I was told, you know, you better have a home because that's Same. security, right? Same. But... but I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a complete because I get to change my mind. It's 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 what I do. I get to change my mind a little bit. I, as I was saying, oh, you're judgmental, blah blah, and people should get to do whatever they want to do. You know what went through my head was that I actually think it's a shame. 
Like, how are you living your life on purpose and actually making a difference for yourself and others if That's all you're going to do thinking. is going to sit on a beach? Like, I don't think you're actually helping anyone. So, not even Saving yourself. animals. You're, you're, volunteering. Doing stuff. Yeah. Helping your community. Purpose. Building friggin' purpose. Health, having a purposeful purpose. life. And my mom always says that. My mom is in a home for Alzheimer's people. And the ladies are always telling me, all your mom wants to do is help us clean. But that is so my mom. She doesn't want to sit there. She has no idea who she is or where she is. But I'll tell you what, she damn well wants to clean floors. She wants to wipe counters. She wants to straighten pictures. She wants to fold tea towels. And I love that about my mom. And she instilled that in me, both my parents. You know, my dad never stopped. They, they never stopped building things. He started building birdhouses for our road that we're on. So there's like, you know, there's 60 yeah. freaking birdhouses along my road. Yeah, so your point, my your point is your purpose doesn't have to be grand. No, it doesn't no. have to be big, but it has to Not at all. It has to contribute, I guess. And and is that is that being judgy now? Am I being judgy like when I say that? Like as I said it, I thought, if, "Oh, that sounds judgmental." Or well, I don't way more I don't than think it is judgment. I don't think it's judgmental. All I'm saying is that, you know, I guess you have to at the end of the day aspire to want to do things. And I'm not saying I I want what I have. I'm not a person that's sitting in a chair going, oh, now what can I get? Now, I'm not a person, I don't like stuff. Stuff doesn't interest me, but tasks do. Um, Doing things, reading new books, learning new skills. I mean, I I had this opportunity this this fall to to tape a a television show. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait. Like a sitcom. Why wasn't I on that show? You're, I've only done season one. Season two and <coughs> yeah, season whatever. three, four, five are coming. But whatever. I was scared. I was out of my element. But here I am. I'm supposed to now be marginalized at my age. I'm a woman at a certain age that society starts looking at me like I am old wood. I am not childbearing. There's nothing. I'm not in the, the sexual attraction race where I'm, you know, that, that part of the biological picture. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be procreating. So really society's looking at me like there's no use for her. She's too old. She doesn't fit the criteria to have a job. And here I am going in and making this television show with a bunch of amazing people, you know, doing it in my community in Calgary where, you know, there's a hundred people working on this show. I couldn't have been prouder. Um, but I just thought, I love that I'm breaking out of this mold and it had nothing to do with money. God knows I probably won't make a dollar on it, but it was so task driven. It was like, this is exciting. I'm learning new things. I was so tired at the end of every day. It made touring look like I was sitting in a lawn chair. You know, it made touring look like nothing compared to how hard people work in television. You know that. Yeah. You've made many television shows. Yeah, it's hard work. Um, it's, I it's, have, it's hard work. But the the fun, the adventure, the, the things that I learned about people, I, I just, I, I can't even tell you. And I, I just don't want to feel marginalized at any age. I don't want to feel marginalized at 70 or 75, I want to be taking on new things. I don't want to be golfing every day. Like, and if the, if that's what you want, that's fine. And, you know, but I, I just think there's so many things to do in life. But if that's what you want, great. It's not what I want. And I guess that's what makes us all different. Jan, you're, you're telling me that, you know, you want to do all these things. You've done the TV shows, you, you tour, you've written books, you've owned restaurants, you, um, you're, a, you're a... And I have failed at a lot of them. But, but you know what, well, you've, you know what I, I think when you say that is, how many people do you think you've employed over the, the, the decades you've been doing all these things? Like hundreds. I, yeah, hundreds. I bet thousands. Um, 
and I what I what I think about that is I take a lot of pride in thinking that I can help other people somehow live their dreams. You know, whether that's through employment or whether that's through funding people through my my fund. You know, helping entrepreneurs succeed. Like I I love helping helping other people succeed. And because I've always believed that if you help somebody else succeed, you're probably going to succeed too. But that not that I'm trying to do it for that reason. I just believe that there's you know gratitude and and ge- generosity is uh, helpful, and gratitude for what you get to do is 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 critical. Um, I guess generosity and gratitude are, are both critical. But I I don't know. I'm kind of rambling a little bit here. I think ultimately what I'm saying is I I love that you get up every day and do all of these things. And you don't care about your age because ageism, I don't want to talk about ageism. I think ageism is real. I think people. Oh, it's very, it's very real, Arlene. It's It's very, very real. real. You know, when I have, when I have journalists that one of the first questions out of their mouth when they're talking to me, certainly concerning the TV show. So I'm just starting to do the press on all that. One of the first things they say, so, you know, you know, you're 56 years old now and you're going into this new venture where you know a lot of people are thinking about slowing down oh yeah You're, i get that too. and i i that's the first i'm like slowing slowing down into what yeah you know and i talk about this with my manager bruce allen all the time you know bruce is in his early 70s he looks after michael buble he looks after me he looks after bob rock he you know looks after brian adams you know all of the, the careers that are at really at the top of their game brian has never stops buble's got a new record coming out um, he just, he's like, Jan, what, what the hell would I do? I'm, I, I love this. I'm going to work. And it has nothing to do with the money. The man's got enough money to, you know, buy Manhattan. He does it because it's purpose driven. He meets new people. He learns new things and he's challenged. I want to be challenged. Yeah. I want to, I want to be courageous. Well, that comes with challenge. I think in order to face challenges, you have to be brave and you have to be courageous and you have to be all those things that women are constantly having to be, you know, in a in a in an average work environment. They have to be brave and courageous and bold and assertive and all the things that they're not supposed to be. Um, you know, we're still dealing with horrible, you know, disparaging gaps in what pe- women are being paid uh, as opposed to men. I mean, I'm hearing those kinds of stories all the time. That's why when I'm out doing stuff and I'm seeing that there's men working and women working side by side and I know they're getting paid the same, I take great pride in that, you know. And the, the young people make no bones about telling you what they make. People our age, not so much. They're not going to walk up to each other and go, oh, what did you make last year? Young people share that information. And that that's a study that's been done, that they are sharing with each other what they're being paid. So they're really aware I think younger men and women are really aware of what they're each. The, the things is that are a changing. good thing? But is that a so? Let, let's you know. I, and I know they are. They're all sharing what they're getting paid. But do you think? And I so let's let's start with. Assume that there's equal pay going on in an organization, and and the, for the same job, uh, a woman and a man are getting paid the same. So mm-hmm. if they're doing the same job and they have the same skill and they have the same education and they have the same everything. They should get paid the same. I, I, let's assume this for a second, just in this hypothetical example. Now there's people that are 
you know, have been there for longer. So now there's two women. One's been there for 10 years and has done way more, contribu- contributed way more, but she has the same mm-hmm. job description, but she contributes way more than the other female who's been there for a year and doesn't contribute as much, but they have the same job title. Okay. Do you think the one that's been there longer is going to get paid more than the one that's been there for a year? I would hope. Do you think that they would think that was fair? Or they have the same job title? I would hope that they that a younger person would understand seniority and that that young person, full well knowing that if she's in in a job 10 years from now, that she will be getting paid more than her, than, than her, you know, okay. the person coming up in, 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 her, in her shoes 10 years, you know, later. So I let, don't know. So let's, 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 let's flip that. The one that's been there for a year does more, contributes more, is a harder worker. His same job title as the one that's been there 10 years. But the one that's been there 10 years gets paid more because she's more senior. There's the inequality is what I'm saying. Like, so the, how, 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 how do you but feel that, if you're the one that's been there for a year and you are actually better at the job and you've only I been would there just, for a year? I would be and, tenacious and I would keep working and I would keep going and I would make it very verbal that... You know, I would let my work do do the talking and, and my achievements and my accomplishments do the. And if I wasn't getting them at that company, then I would go somewhere else where I was appreciated. I, I wouldn't be afraid of change. I think people get locked into these situations where they think, oh, my God, you know, there's there's nowhere to go and there's no other jobs for me. That that is a that that's the whole being held over a barrel scenario. That is a nightmare to me. But so what's it, the advantage of telling everybody what you make? I'm just saying that younger people share what they make with each other. And I think it gives them, I, I don't know, there's something that I really like about that. I don't yeah, I don't know. dislike it. I'm just saying and, I can and, see it causing problems, that's all. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm just saying, you know, I bet it causes a lot of problems for employers. Don't you think people want to know what you make every second of the day? Whenever, you know, whenever I see your name and can, and people will ask me this, they're so bodacious. What do you think she's worth? What do you What do you think she makes? I'm like, I have zero idea. And I'm thinking the next question is going to be to me of what I make. And 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 they kind of dance around it. Oh, you must make a lot of money. I'm like, I don't make the money that you think I make. I'm not Celine Dion. I don't sell those kinds of records. I don't do those kinds of concerts. So I I still think that the monetary thing is at the entire base of what people think success is is how much money you make hmm. i i just you know yeah. people are taking things in university they're, ta- they're there's a lot of people in engineering right now arlene that don't want to be engineers but they think oh i can make two hundred twenty thousand dollars a year i'm going to go into engineering and they're miserable you know oh, they spend well. two years figuring out that they don't that they really really hate it i always tell people please for the love of whoever you're worshiping do something that you really believe in and that's something that you love to do. Because if you're chasing a dollar, you are going to end up so disappointed. It's the same thing with chasing fame. Why do you want to be in music? I want to be famous. Well, go do something else because you're doing it for the wrong reason. I think people do do things for the wrong reasons. They they can chase money. But I I would like to believe that that is changing, Jen. I think that the... Really? Yeah, I think this younger generation... I'm so hopeful. I'm really hopeful. I, I, I believe that they are really thinking about the world stage and they're really putting their efforts into understanding 
politics more and what they want from their leaders and what they need in their world and and that the world is a global place that and that there's a they have social responsibility as a result of being part of this this planet and and I I see that I see it time and time again and I don't see people as driven by each of course you still see people that are driven by money but I don't see it as much in this younger younger generation I see it more in boomers and in you know Gen X and to some extent millennials not as much you know millennials I, I what I do see with them is more don't tell me I did anything wrong because that you don't have any right to tell me I did anything wrong well for the first time ever though they're saying that millennials will never and you 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 touched on them not wanting to they don't want the debt of a house they don't want to right. own a home but but they're also saying on the other side of that that they're not going to be able to own a home because it's not going to be affordable it's to ridiculous. them. It's ridiculous. And then uh, and I still believe up, I think. I, I still believe that people there's a sense of entitlement with young people. You know, as much as you know you want to save the planet, I think there's a sense of entitlement like I should I just deserve this. I should just have this. I mean, I'm I'm using my nephew as an example and you know, it's frustrating for me to 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 watch a guy that doesn't he, you know, and I'm not saying he doesn't work hard, but it's just like you just do, you do what you need to do to get by, and I'm like, wow, but he just feels like oh, I should have had, I, I deserve to have that. Like, why don't I have that? Okay, Here's, it drives me crazy. What role did his parents? What role did? Um, financial institutions, banks. What role, uh, like lending money easily to you know kids that probably couldn't, shouldn't be in debt. Um, parents uh, trying to give their kids everything because they felt that that was a, a way, a love language. You know, if I should give you, I'm not always available, but I can help you and I can give you things. What what aspect of that is what they have been brought into versus them? And, and, and I'm not saying that absolves them from any blame no. of being self-aware and understanding that that's just simply because you were served that plate of full a full plate of food doesn't mean you have to eat it all yourself you know especially if there's hungry people around you so i think there's you still have to be self-aware but i don't think we can absolve the conditions in which this that generation was raised and born from the parents and the community that raised them i i think we've got to we've got to be careful on that because our parents raised us to have ambition and to go out and you know get the car and the 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 house with the garage and you know But your parents also let you fail too. But I'm they, sure that was part of the equation. They didn't uh, your your parents weren't doing your homework. I mean, I have friends my of mine that are doing around. their kids homework. My my dad wasn't around. I never saw my dad growing up. I and I saw my mom and ed, eventually she had to work too. Yeah. So Both I was home at, you know, 13, 14 preparing meals. I just threw everything in the goddamn crock pot and just hoped that it cooked in 6 hours. Yeah, you know, that was we didn't well we couldn't get groceries the way most people got groceries cuz we were very poor and I remember dinner was a bag of McCain's french fries no we're not sponsored by McCain's french fries. Um <laughs> but about, we can be. Yeah, we can, but we could be McCain's. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but I remember getting a bag of frozen fries and putting them in the oven on a baking sheet and having a little bit of sour cream and some ketchup, and that was dinner. And if we were lucky, we had sour cream. And if we were lucky, we had ketchup. And if we were really lucky, we had both. And and I, I remember that like yesterday. I remember salt and pepper sandwiches. You know, you, you put some margarine on, you put some salt and pepper, and you pretended you had turkey. You know, these were the things like... 
Okay, I, that makes me sad. Why? I think that actually helped make me a better person. I think I learned from that. I think that was a good thing. I like, think you would have learned the same if you'd had a piece of cheese in your sandwich, Arlene. The cheese that didn't, the cheese didn't, real cheese didn't <laughs> exist back then. It was all processed stuff. It probably saved me. It probably helped make me healthier. God. No, do you remember like, oh, like a real treat? was a piece of celery with cheese whiz in it, and then you put raisins down it. Amen. Like you'd, oh, you'd have the raisins. Do you remember? I didn't. Like, ha- I, I never had the raisins. That. That, was, oh. that was out of my wheelhouse, but we definitely oh, had loved cheese that. whiz. Cheese whiz, and then getting... You know, Actually, the- it was called Ingersoll. We couldn't afford the cheese whiz, oh, so we got, spam? We got the, we got the uh, generic, <laughs> I think it was called Ingersoll cheese, and nothing against Ingersoll. I think it's a little town outside of Toronto, actually. Hmm. That, uh, yeah, but, but I, I remember all that stuff, but I, I still I still don't understand why us being raised with maybe not as much as the kids do now, if that, why that would make them want, aspire to be less or to think that the world owes them something. I think that is I don't know, a I, plague that, that really hangs around the necks of young people is that, you know, they, sh- they just feel like, they should have things that they don't work for. I don't get it. I I just think that there there's a little bit of there's a lack of purpose again. We're back to purpose, and and so you know, if you were raised that everything everything you did was always right, and that you know you you always passed because politically correct to make everybody pass even if they failed, to never be told that your grades weren't good enough, to all these things that that happen. If you were told that all the time, you would start to believe it. And and then they're left with the reality of that. I mean, you and I, Jan, my parents got divorced when I was 13. I was, I can remember being the first child in my school that came with from divorced a divorced parents. family. And, yeah. and, and it was, and so we... My parents should have been divorced. So yeah, I was, I was living a similar today? hell. Well, they, they got through it. They managed to be together for 58 years, but I think there was 20 that they shouldn't have been together. It was, it was a really terrible, yeah. terrible time in my childhood when, when the two of them were trying to figure out how to get through my dad's alcoholism. And I mean, I wanted to work hard because I wanted my own money, Arlene. Yeah. I wanted to get out and do things. I wanted a car. I wanted to go places. I wanted to travel. I wanted, you know, that shirt from, you know, the blah, blah, blah store at Wolco. I wanted, so in, so looking at those situations where, no, I was not handed anything at all. I mean, we I wore the same school clothes, you know, for a couple years in a row until I outgrew them. I remember that vividly. And um, when mom did take us for clothes, it was just a, it was a couple of shirts and maybe a quarter, pair of corduroys and... And then I wore my older brother's pants, you know, that were kind of... That's weird. Anyway, it's not... <laughs> uh, we got through it, but my... I just remember the tumultuous times in my family only perpetuated me forward. They want. I wanted to get going and get my life going and not be there. So that was a catalyst for me to get going. But I understand the divorce thing. It's It's so difficult. But not getting divorced is difficult, too. I'm just yeah. throwing that on the pile. Yeah, no, a, a, a thousand percent. You know, I, I think that that's... that's a, Your parents did you a favor, I think. Well, my parents did the best job they could. Yeah. You know, like, and I think we, I think we've talked about this before, Jan. I think our parents did the best job they could. I think we as, you know, I as a parent, um, you as a friend and a daughter, um, you do, we all do the best job we can. 
but that doesn't mean we can't do better jobs, you know, like, and, and, and so I think, I don't know, I, I just hate that. I, I have to feel confidence in this next generation, because if I don't feel confidence in this next generation, and then I look to our leaders that I don't really, really have any confidence in right now around the world, I, I, I give up hope. And I think hope and purpose is all that we have. And if we give that up, because we we don't believe that the next generation is going to strive harder and find a better way forward. Or if we believe, don't believe that our leaders are going to come out of this and we're going to elect um, people that are going to... Well, on, on a positive note, the, uh, the, um, the voter registration with people 18 to 25 in the United States is up in an unprecedented way. I, I think it's by hundreds of percents. So... Hurrah! And and we talked about this a few weeks ago too. The kids, you know, that were were victims of that massive school shooting once again, um, that that just came to the forefront of of you know politics and rhetoric and 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 all the all that crap. And they were out there advocating for for uh, you know gun control. I'm and nervous. I'm nervous about the six. This is going to air. Uh, after the sixth of November, right after, and I'm nervous about November sixth. I would be too. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. I mean, I guess we're going to find out. But uh, I believe that I believe in people making decisions based on, you know, their communities. I mean, I I really hope that they they vote for what they think is ethical and for what they want to see happen in their communities and in their lives and. God forbid, you know, their churches, no pun intended, but just that they vote for things that really matter and not about the person, like actual platforms and, and doing some research. I think so many people cast votes. Now it's just come down to Democrat and Republican in the States because because of what's happened, and you can't fault them for that. They they need to just make these sweeping decisions. So on November 6th, here here's my fear. Da, 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 da. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the fear I have. Because you just said that voter registration is up like fifty percent or something. Oh no, right? it's 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 hundreds of percent. Okay, it's an what, unprecedented. It in, unprecedented. In, in eighteen to twenty-five, yeah, it's 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 just it's unbelievable. Okay, the, awesome. Their voter registration is up. They're going to vote. We've got we've got we've we've galvanized the nation. They've galvanized the nation to get forward and vote. What are you going to do when he wins again? <laughs> What are you going to do when the Republicans still have the power? How are you going well, to feel about the... Just, what's, where's your hope going to go at that point? I'm just going to live my life. I'm yeah. going to keep More writing people voting. my songs. More people voting, and they still voted him in, or I, the, well, the party in. When your platform is based on fear-mongering, and it's based on pitting good people against good people, and I always say that. You know, uh, Kathy Griffin tweeted something a week ago, and she said... This administration has brought the worst out and the worst people. And I tweeted back to her. I said, but it's also brought the best out and the best people. And and I believe that. I think it seems really polarized. But there's a line that's been drawn where people are really almost ashamed of their, their own behavior and how they've talked to their family members or their neighbors. And it's like, you know, just just being more aware of their behavior. And I think they have to climb climb out of this this dialogue that they've created. I'm not sure how it got to this point, but it all comes down from from one guy and and just uh, a climate that he's created. It's sad, but he's he's tipped 
them he's tipped his hat to fear he's tipped his hat to racism he's he takes up too much of our time you know it it, it, it is that's why i just i don't i try not to watch it so i i i wish i knew where this quote came from Uh, it came from i'll look it up and one day i'll tell you where it came from but i wrote it down because it was such a powerful thought and here's here's the quote when power dominates the truth criticism becomes betrayal when power dominates the truth, criticism becomes betrayal. Yeah. I, I think it is such a profound statement. And it, it is, you know, we need to be able to criticize um, our leaders. We need to be able to think about what we can do better. But we need to do it in a way that's not filled with hate and anger, but filled with what the a better alternative could be. We need to present alternatives. We need to show strength. We need to stand up for what's right. And we need to be have purpose in our life and act with maturity and and guidance for people Good who don't have a voice. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, that's my, that's my soapbox for but the day. But that, it, it's not a soapbox, but it's just, it's not the reality of what the climate is now. You know, the whole mentality is whoever yells the loudest and is the most absurd and makes the most egregious, you know, uh, horrible statements are the ones that are going to win at the end of the day. So let's, what, ugh, let's talk about something else. I'm okay. getting depressed. Well, you know, you, you, can't, you can't back up from a good fight either. I mean, sometimes you have to roll your sleeves up and you're doing all the right things. I mean, self-awareness and... And, you know, you're, you're doing something in your life where you're employing a lot of people and you're bringing positivity. And you are in a position of power, Arlene, and you're, you're doing something that's the antithesis to that of what, you know, sometimes the climate of, of, of the world is right now. And that's, you, you, you're marching to your own drum and doing your own thing. And that's what I'm doing, too. I mean, I don't, I don't cater to that kind of thinking. I, you know... I think we're living in a world where the beatings will cease when the morale improves. That's what it seems like to me half the time. And I don't do that. I try and encourage the people around me. I try and encourage people in the arts. I try and encourage creativity. I know that how I behave in my own life is how I'm going to be the most impactful on the world. My uniqueness, my my voice, my hopefulness, my integrity, my my ethics, my scruples, you know, I know that that's going to make my little world better. And that's what I concentrate on. I think when we get caught up, just like, just what you said, this all depresses me. It's all too big. It's too much. I think when we keep it small, when we keep it close to our hearts, and when we keep it close to our friends and our families and people that we come in contact with every day and try and exude positivity, friendliness, kindness, tolerance, understanding, I think that's impactful, and I think it goes much further than we think it does. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, it's a song there. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's write a song sometime. Yeah. Our, our, our entire show can be devoted to you and I writing a song. <laughs> I'll bring my guitar. Um, what, have you been, what have you been doing lately? When is your new show out? I, I wanted to talk to you about that. My new show is out in March, so um, it's called Under New Management, and I help. What is the premise of it? The premise of it is is that speaking of positivity, yes the the premise of it is to help people who want to start their own business and and likely leave their nine to five jobs 
or and Scary. figure out th- what business they want to go into because they they're ready to become entrepreneurial, and so I help find them a, a business to buy. So I go learn a bit about them. I go out into the market. We you know find three businesses that they can take a look at. Often the businesses aren't quite what they expected them to be because I have seen something in them that they may not be seeing themselves hopefully hopefully around what might be a good fit for them and then they determine which one of those businesses they're going to put their money into and we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars for each of these businesses and they commit oh and it's really quite amazing i mean they don't have to buy the business obviously but you know we've already had some people you know going down the road to close the deals that they that they made on the show and it's so exciting jen and i've i've gotten to know sisters and brothers and sisters and and um, husband and wives, and it's just been, it, it's been, I know I'm fascinated by people. I'm fascinated by people. I love that. Aren't we lucky? We get to change our minds. We get to change our opinions. We get to grow and evolve, and we get to be different. And uh, this show, it just makes me, I get, like, spend a lot of time with these people. I get to know them well, and I can see their fears and their hopes and their dreams and their, and their worries and oh it's 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 what do you think the biggest fear is there must be a common denominator with what keeps people from making the decisions that change that they can that that, those decisions that they they can make to change their lives like is there a common denominator is it fear is it the unknown is it change what 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 keeps us like really i think from moving forward and making those big changes it's a combination. It's a great question. And I, I, I don't think it's any one of those things. I think it's all of those things. I think it is fear of failure is for yeah. sure there. Big. It's the uncertainty of what it is that this means. So it's it's the unknown, uh, which also creates a fear and an anxiety. And And then I think it's just the reality that they are relying on their own two hands and their own minds and their own... Um, efforts to put food on the table and 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 and, you, and what they don't understand is that's what they do every day anyhow when they go and do it for somebody else it is their efforts it is their minds it is their two hands that create the opportunity for income to come into their homes because someone is paying them for their hands their mm-hmm. minds and their and and their oh, yeah. efforts so it, it, but doing that without a backstop doing that without a safety net is is a uh, it's 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 exhilarating. It's frightening. It's it's wonderful. It's scary as hell. So I think it's everything that you just said. I think the irony is that you're going into this new venture, so you're dealing with all those same things. I mean, here you are helping people, but you're also you ventured into doing this television show where there's a lot of money at stake. Um, you know, to to develop the show and to you know spend the time. There's got to be a, a huge staff a huge amount of crew that works on that show to put it together so i'm thinking you're in the exact same position of fear of of, of possible failure of the show not catching on of he, that that seems so funny to me that you're in this position doing this to help these people and you are in exactly the same position of starting and executing a new entrepreneurial business do you, do you ever think about that arlene i I, it just seems so funny to me. You're taking the same risks. Yeah, but my, I don't have the same anxiety anymore. Like, listen, there is a, there's always a likelihood that whatever I endeavor to do 
could fail. And, and I know that. Like, And I've experienced it. I failed many, many times. I've had all sorts of issues with failure. Um, and I've always said to myself that no matter what happens, I can always believe, I believe I can always do something to put food on the table. Like I, I believe that I'm, as long as I'm able-bodied and able-minded, I can do that. And and I guess I'm I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of failing. I'm more afraid of not trying. If I don't try and, and I tell myself I can't because who do I think I am, that scares the living daylights out of me. That frightens me because... Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to do with that. Like not trying just feels like that feels like such a fail to me for me. So yeah, I'm, I, I do risk everything and I risk it all the time and I put it out there and, and I've been for, very, 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 very fortunate. But I can tell you, Jen, I have some come so close to losing everything so many times. And, you know, people see the person on TV and they say, oh, she's got all this money and she does all I these know. things and she's never failed. Uh-uh, uh-uh, you guys. I have failed lots. I have had lots of days where I thought I didn't want to get out of bed. I've talked to you about this. Yeah. But that's okay. You get up, you you do it, and 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 success comes and luck happens and, you know, you you do the things you need to do to to, to succeed. But to me, failure is not trying. That's That's failure. Uh, it's, it's funny you should say that because my dad used to always say, you know, if something didn't turn out for me, you know, as a teenager, he'd say, well, if you're failing, you're trying. And he said, I'm proud of you for that. So it was always the opposite. I always thought, oh, he's going to think I'm such a loser. And my dad, despite his many, you know, shortcomings, never pulled that on me. He always just thought, you know, failing, you're, tr- you're out there trying, you're giving it. And that's that's all you can ask of yourself. And I'll never forget that. My dad probably didn't even realize what a a beautiful gift he was giving me because it was just the effort. And I tell people this all the time, you know, how do I become a singer? And I'm like, well, do you sing? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, all you got to do is find someone to pay you to do it. And they always (laughs) laugh. You know, know, uh, uh, Jan, you you are leaving our listeners with such a great message right there. Well, maybe that's what we should do. Go and try. Like, try you are capable of so many things, everybody that is out there listening. You can do anything you, you know, even if you can't do anything you set your mind to, you will have tried anything you set your mind to. And in trying, you learn, and in learning, you grow, and in growing, you become a better human and a better friend. And Jan, I, I love talking to you. Thank you for for that lesson you just gave I us. look forward to it every week, week after week. And, uh, you know, here's two of us just failing like there's no tomorrow, And uh, we're enjoying every little second of it. So we thank everyone for tuning in and listening. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson, a weekly podcast and radio show. Subscribe and download The Business of Life wherever you listen to podcasts.